happy monday i hope you cannot hear my laundry going on in the back of this uh, episode but what's up i am extra hyped about this episode i am fascinated fascinated by this topic of cancel culture and I am really excited that someone called in about this. As you guys know, this show is a little bit different than my other podcast because I encourage you to call in with everything that you are dealing with or have questions about. And if I can't answer it, I will bring in an expert who can. That number is 909-979-3291. And I probably should be telling you, if you like this podcast, go on the App Store and write a review. My last podcast, This Is Life Unfiltered, had so many amazing reviews. And I love to hear what you guys like and don't like. Guess I have that maybe you think I could have interviewed better and whatnot. I think that this week or next, the localish episode is going to be coming out which I'm super excited about because there was just I guess some editing delays but when that comes out my goal is to go back to ABC and now repitch a full series so fingers crossed that it performs well please watch it share it it'll be on Hulu and localish and if you follow me on social media you will be able to see everything about that show and episode and how to share it and how to watch it and whatnot so if you're not following me on social media do it Uh, my instagram is at alexa underscore curtis and the podcast one is at the new unfiltered and the last thing i'll say before we get into this episode is i am hyped even more hyped than this particular topic we have partnered with an airline a hotel and a mall to send one of you to the be fearless summit in february with yukon this will be a first class round trip ticket up to 500 dollars, an amazing stay on campus at the graduate hotel and a shopping spree to my favorite mall west farms i'll be with you i'll hang out with you i will be taking you to dinner and you're going to experience a whole day of a be fearless summit now we've never done something like this before and this is actually our first summit that's closed off to the public there won't be an external rsvp link so unless you go to yukon you won't be able to attend so when this giveaway comes out in the next two weeks my plan is for it to be released by then make sure that you tell me why you think that coming to the summit will make you feel fearless i will look through all of these entries and I'm really excited to meet one of you. So I'm going to play the voicemail that stemmed me to have this particular guest on and discussion and I will let you guys decide while you're listening to this voicemail on what you think about cancel culture. recently graduated from BU, and one of the topics I'm really curious if you'll be talking about at your upcoming summit or discussing is cancel culture. Okay, I hope you guys heard that. What she said is, hi, my name is Amanda and I'm 25. I just graduated from BU and one of the topics I'm really curious about if you'll be talking at an upcoming summit or discussing is cancel culture. Amanda, nice to meet you. Uh, Yes, this is a topic that I have wanted to discuss many times, not only on my own platform, but especially at summits. What my interest is for cancel culture is that so many young people 
don't understand the repercussions of what they put online. And I've experienced things like this firsthand. I've also watched a lot of very successful people come down because of cancel culture. Uh, and I think that there needs to be more discussions on how to get out of it once you're in it. And when I say that, and the reason I'm excited to have Alana, she is a mentor match mentor, the founder of a mentorship company called Etra. Literally, she is the queen of mentorship on to talk about cancel culture is she's also a lawyer. And so you might make a mistake or put something out there and you're already in theory canceled next step after that. If something like this happens, how do you dig yourself out of this cancel culture grave if what you said or what you posted was not perceived how you intended for it to come out? And especially something like old tweets, if those come out, uh, what do you what do you do? And honestly, I don't know. But one question people frequently ask me, and actually I did a talk yesterday with a boys and girls club in LA and I was asked the same question, more so about being an entrepreneur, do you get scared sometimes of the fact that all of your hard work could disappear in a moment if someone took what you didn't say or what you said in a different light. And I said, yeah, and it's a very common concern as a business owner because of the fact that you want to be as authentic and transparent with your fans and your followers as possible. But also, I know that it can be really easy to step over the line by saying something and especially by typing, for example, an 140 character tweet to where you just can't come back from that. And I would never want to put myself in that position or see any of you in that position as well, losing out on job opportunities or internships, honestly, because of the fact that you think that your TikTok will make you rich and famous. So I go on all the time and I see a lot of young adult women posting very explicit sexual content. And I sound like such a mom right now, but I think something like sex should be talked about on platforms like TikTok in a very educational way. I do not think sex should be talked about in the way that it is so outwardly talked about on TikTok and just slightly, I don't know, it's distasteful. I think distasteful is the right word right word for it guy or girl you hooked up with whatever and something funny that happened I saw one the other day about uh I can't remember what the girl said but it was if if he can't buy you a cup of coffee that means he can't afford your termination which means he can't afford to have a baby which means he shouldn't be having sex uh and I I mean sure that is comical in some sense that being said that platform is predominantly 12 year olds and so for 12 year olds to be seeing that and not even really understand their bodies or how to be comfortable with things like sex makes me just concerned because of the fact that no one's educating them in the proper way. Uh, and I'm in no way conservative. I don't think you need to be conservative to have more conservative thoughts on how to post online. And so again, I think for me to have Alana on and her background in law, she's also a parent, will hopefully guide you guys to make sure that you're just making the most responsible decisions and you're not sacrificing your future because you think that your TikTok funny video of you talking about the guy you hooked up with is gonna get you a million likes and retweets and whatever. Let me tell you, your future employer is not really caring about that. They're caring about how you are portraying yourself online and they're going to say no to you based on that. And one thing Alana does say in this episode is she says, when you post something online, ask yourself this one question. Do you have an answer to why you've posted this? And that really stuck with me. And the reason I say it stuck with me is because I actually many times throughout my career have had moments where I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't have posted that or that might not even be perceived in the wrong way but maybe that picture was a little bit seductive while I was at Disney I remember many times I didn't know what I was allowed to post and when you're growing up and 
going through your late teens and early 20s, it's very common that you will want to post a picture to get someone's attention. I mean, can anyone who's listening to this tell me, raise your hand silently that you haven't posted a picture to try and get someone's attention, someone who you probably like. Uh, and therefore, you're probably posting something that maybe might be better to not post. Maybe you've never experienced that. I can tell you many times I've thought about things that I will post with the expectation someone that I like is going to see it. But that doesn't mean that you should do it. And so always think about what you're posting and what your answer is when you're going to do it. So many questions for you. And I also know you've had some great calls in the past few days with some mentees. And I want to hear about your thoughts on cancel culture and mentorship. But I know that you have a book that is getting released on International Women's Day in March. So tell me a little bit about that before I get into some of these questions. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Um, Yes, the book is called The Epic Mentor Guide. And I'm so excited. It's uh, on Simon & Schuster's website right now. It just went up. Um, We collected questions from girls really throughout the country and around the world really specific questions about work. You know, how do I get an internship at SpaceX? How do I have someone take a look at my art at Pixar? You know, can I ask about inclusion in an interview? Things like that. And then we had women at those companies answer the questions. So it's 180 really unbelievable women. They're founders and astronauts and athletes and CEOs answering questions from today's girls about the work world. That is so cool. Is it crazy to even ask you what is the first step for publishing a book? Because you have two. (laughs) Uh, I have two out. The first one I self-published and this one I worked with um, Forefront Books and Worth Books and then Simon & Schuster's Distributing. Um, You know, I think the first book really helped a lot. It helped me learn about the process. It helped get the premise of Etra and what we do. You know, Etra is a free mentorship platform for girls, and we bring them directly into companies to meet female leaders. And the more we visited companies, the more people knew about the mission. And I think it really helped the people at Forefront and Worth understand what this book was going to be about. That is so interesting, especially on the topic of mentorship, because I want to lead into this conversation and get your opinions and whatnot on how to properly find a mentor. There have been some call-ins with the number that I have at the link in my Instagram that people can call in and leave, uh, leave voicemails. And you are really the OG, most successful, I would say, pro out there on the whole topic surrounding <laughs> mentorship. But before I dive into that, I just did a talk with the boys and girls clubs actually right before this in LA. And one of the questions that came up was how should young people be aware of cancel culture, but more importantly, how cautious you have to be when posting online and not trying to utilize social media and post things just because you think you're going to get a million followers. And Alana, I think you and I can both vouch for not using social media as a lifeline. It's just a tool. But with your background in law and seeing your own company grow on social media, how can you advise young people to be cautious with what they put out there so that something negative doesn't happen in the future? It's a great point. And I'm actually so happy that you're talking to kids about this because social media is one of those interesting areas where kids, the young people today hold a ton of power. It's very likely they know more about social media than, you know, the next generation up, the people who are actually handing out the jobs and internships. And so they really know a lot about it and they have to use that power wisely. 
I think the idea that you don't want to post something that's going to be sensationalized or provocative just to get a ton of activity and impressions, I think they, they have to know not to do that. Stuff lasts forever. People who are going to hire you or will be interested in collaborating with you, working with you, um, co-branding at any point, they're going to look back at what you've written and why you've written it. So to be purposeful, to be thoughtful, to write what you're going to write and post with an eye towards longevity and being committed to the, the mission that you're writing about, I think is important. I think not to write just to sort of cause a ripple, write about the things you feel passionately about and then stick with it and rely on data, don't be reactive and know that people that you may work with someday will look back and read what you wrote. Read what you wrote and also read what you post. I know you're a mom and I'm not a mom, but I can tell you that Sometimes I go on TikTok and I see things, Alana, that literally, and I'm 24, I am petrified by the fact that a young person would put that out there, probably because they think that they're going to get hundreds of views or thousands of views and that'll make them a TikToker or whatever. The repercussions of putting that out there, I think is far beyond what young people expect to happen. So when you've hired or even when you have personally been hired in the past, uh, are there any things and topics that have come up during interviews and questions that you would want young people to know? Someone might ask you this and you should have an exact answer to this type of a question or type of topic. Um, I don't know if it would come up as much in an interview. I think the issue is you should assume when you are sitting in an interview, you know, whether it's live or virtual, that the person has researched you that has looked you up already, it's very likely that they already know what's out there. They've taken a look or they've had someone on their staff take a quick look and you should be prepared to answer for anything that you've posted, whether it is a video or something that you've written or an interview that you gave, um, you know, anything on TikTok. I'd be prepared to answer for the stuff that you're putting out there and then be proactive in the future about putting out things that are smart and things that you're proud of. You should assume that people have already done their homework. I think that's such a good point. And it's so good to hear someone actually say that, that you should have an answer to everything you put out there. And in my career, I've struggled with sometimes a lot of that. And sometimes I will put something out there and it will be taken in the wrong way. And I never know how to come back from that because it's like, I expected someone to view this differently. So certainly be cautious with mm -hmm. what you put out there and the detrimental effects of how something can come back around and maybe not give you the response you were looking for, but let's And it's about okay to say yeah. that you were wrong. I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I just wanna add, I think it's okay to say that you were wrong. There's no need to be overly defensive about everything that you've put out there. It is absolutely okay to say, I wish I hadn't done that. Or I thought it would be taken this way and in turn it was turned this way and I learned this from it. It is okay to own that. And I've seen a lot of these people, especially someone like a Chrissy Teigen or Alison Roman from Bon Appetit. I think that's what people think of when they think of cancel culture. And a lot of those people have, have come back and said, I made a mistake. And when you are young, it is so okay to make a mistake. But I yep. noticed, especially with myself, sometimes I do want to post something or maybe a picture where I look really good, but maybe it's a little bit more seductive. And I ask myself, who will this impact? And the same thing that you said, Alana, will I have an answer to why I posted this when I post it? And if your gut is like, I don't have that answer, or I feel like this isn't an ideal thing to put out there, don't do it just because you think that the boy or cute girl, anyone in your class is going to see it and like it. Think of your future. So with mentorship and finding mentors, where did you become such a pro at 
mentorship because you truly have built a very successful company surrounding mentorship. Thank you. Um, you know, I was really lucky when I was practicing law. I was a lawyer first and I had tremendous mentors throughout my whole career. Um, and a lot of them were women. And I think that was it had a huge impact on me. Uh, my very first mentor at my law firm was a woman who was the youngest person, male or female, that the firm had ever made partner. So she was just a rock star in her own right. And to learn at her cuff and to be able to watch her and emulate her shaped the kind of lawyer that I became. And so even as early as, you know, when I was your age and at my law firm thinking other people should have this type of mentorship. I'm so unbelievably lucky with this. Everyone should have this. And then later on, you've heard me tell the story that when my daughter was in school and I realized she didn't know what I did every day when I went off to work, I started introducing her to other accomplished women to see what they did every day because I wanted her to have female role models. And from that, the idea of how impactful mentorship can be. I'm specifically talking about female mentorship, but I'll throw it out there to anyone, wherever you are in your career, the ability to find a mentor has a huge, um, you know, resonating effect on your career. I wanted other kids to have that. And so when I retired from law, I started doing what I had done with my daughter with other girls, bringing them into companies to meet women, introducing them to my network, and then that network just grew. What was great about the process was other women that we met said, oh, I wish I had had this. I wish I had done this. You know who you should meet? This person who's running this company. And one person would introduce another and this pipeline of mentors just grew in a really organic and really beautiful way. And with networking, how have you utilized networking? And I know that you obviously didn't necessarily grow up with social media. So you know the most authentic ways to network, which is in person. But how have you utilized social media or would encourage other people to uh, to network through there? I mean, what is the best way to network in 2021? So social media is one of my favorite ways to network. And I wish I'd had it starting out. Um, I firmly believe that everyone has something to teach you, that you can learn something from anyone. And I think people are really accessible today through social media. When we were doing the Epic Mentor Guide and I wanted to reach out to a woman I didn't know, so many times we did it through DMs on Instagram. Um, a message on LinkedIn was great, but Instagram was often better. And it was a quick question. I have a question from a girl, she wants to know this. And a one sentence answer. Or could I ask you three questions by email? But the first reach out was on social. And it was really effective. Everyone's on it. And when you make the ask really light, you know, not I have three paragraphs worth of questions, here we go, but a really fast, I have one question, I'd love to know this one thing about your day or your career. Uh, very, very few people said no. And I think being fearless, um, which I know is, you know, your mantra, being fearless about the ask is great, making the ask really light and not being scared to ask on social media. This is where your role models are. Why not reach them there? That's so true. And how do you know when you do contact someone if they're interested. I bet you have gotten so many different emails asking people to mentor you, but I guess there's two questions actually in that question. So what is a red flag to you when someone emails you and wants you to mentor them? And the sense of they're either not a fit for you or their email isn't strong enough to where you'd understand what you'd be mentoring them for? Yep, they're great points. Um, I'm never worried if it's not a fit because if I'm not the right person to help that person who's asking, I'll find the right person. 
You know, it, I might not be the right fit, but I can absolutely suggest three people who might be. So I never worry about that. Um, I think sometimes the very open-ended ask is a problem. I'd love to pick your brain in general. I mean, that to me is a red flag. Uh, if the person immediately wants to meet in person, could we have coffee and do this? You know, that that's not necessarily the best use of our time for the very first meeting. So I think sometimes make, when someone has the ask and it's too big or too broad, I'll want to help them refine that. Um, but the, the questions that I love answering is when someone is specific about it. They've either read something I've written or they saw something where I was part of a panel and they have a follow-up question. Or they also want to add value. I read this and then I read this other thing and thought of you, have you seen it? So when they're actually providing something that we can jump off of from there, or if their question's really specific, I'm thinking about this major, I'm thinking about this internship. How would I broach someone at this company to find out more? Um, I love those questions. I'll answer those all day. What about when someone actually though writes that email, what should they include in it? If someone wants you, for example, Alana, to mentor them, how do you start the email? Literally walk me step-by-step step of like, hi, my name is, for example, Alexa. Mm -hmm. And then, and then what else do you include? Because I think that's the biggest struggle with mentorship is people don't know how to go about it. And so then they deter, that deters them from finding a mentor because they're almost too nervous or scared that someone's going to say no. Yep, totally. Um, first, you got to assume everyone's reading something on their phone, so you want it to be short. So really short. They're just not going to scroll endlessly through a long email. Um, and don't necessarily attach a ton of stuff. If I want your resume, if I want to see a writing sample or anything, I'll ask you for it. But you don't have to attach that right away. I, I love a subject line that tells me who you are right off the bat. High school junior with a mentorship question. I love that. You know, tell me who you are right in the subject line. And then I think just exactly as you're saying, hi, my name is so-and-so. I go to school here or I'm starting out working here. I'm interested in X. And I noticed that you have experience with Y. Would you have three minutes to either speak by phone or answer a question by email? That's it. Give me two options, depending on what's more convenient for me or we'll work it out together. Um, but I really want to know who you are and, and why, why I can help you. How can I help you? Why do you say not to put something like a writing sample in an email? Because I personally, I don't know about a writing sample, but I would say some type of a resume or a media kit could be beneficial. Would you say either of those or no to all of those attachments? I think if someone has a media kit already and it's put together in a professional way, there's no harm in adding that. Um, and I should amend what I said, a link to your LinkedIn or something like that always really helpful, something that I can just get quickly. Um, I, I just think a lot of times I don't need the resume yet to, to speak with you or to guide you. And so I just always say, you know, wait for someone to ask for that next step. But I agree with you. I think if there's a media kit or a quick link to something else, a link, an article you've been featured in or anything like that, there's no harm in attaching it. I, just, I never think it's mandatory, though. And a lot of young people also don't necessarily have a proper resume or right. media kit. So I always think of that as when you're a little bit further along that that can bring that can bring a lot of value with the young yep. people that have been in your in the program and that you've met throughout having started. What do you think most of them are struggling with right now? I think coming out of COVID, the the lack of, you know, on site internships is a real problem. I think that, that everyone's losing out on that ability to work face-to-face -face with people. Virtual internships are hard. Virtual interviews are hard. I think those are roadblocks that have been thrown up that, you know, they're just, they're frustrating for a lot of kids, for a lot of students. 
Um, on the other hand, it has led, you know, the silver lining is it has let people hold more than one virtual internship or work with someone that might be geographically further away, but they can work virtually. So there are pros and cons to it, but I am a big believer in the power of face-to-face -face mentorship. And I think we've lost a lot of that in the last year. Which is so frustrating because there is such a critical time in someone's life, right? Where they, and I feel like, especially for young people, the early twenties, the late teens, where they can form those bonds and relationships and land that dream job. And do you think because of COVID that young people should expect that they're set back and have to work a little bit harder to get those jobs and internships or not necessarily? I think we're just going to have to work differently. I think firms have gotten really creative with the jobs and internships and what they can offer and that, you know, we should all be leaning into that. Um, we might have untraditional, you know, non-traditional internships now. We might be job sharing a little bit more. And that is, that's just something where we're going to get creative about it. So I don't know that we have to work harder, but I think a lot of times the intern or the new employee might be the one with the solution, might be the one that actually creates the new job position. Or you can even approach it and maybe go to a future employer. I mean, it's about to be 2022. I feel like now is the time where if you have an idea, approach the person that you want to work for and give it to them. I mean, Alana, how would you react to if someone came to you and was like, I have an idea for Etra, here's what I want to do. What would you say is your response to that? Is it too forward? No, I love it. I love it. And in fact, so many of the good ideas that we were able to develop came directly from girls. We never had after school clubs before one of our girls said, I love this and I want to bring it to my school. Why can't I put this platform at my school? And that was the start of after school clubs. And it came, you know, it was not my idea. It was one of the girls. I love it. I think, you know, being courageous and bringing your idea forward, thinking it through, having some examples, you know, I don't need a huge PowerPoint, but I love it when someone's thought something through and it's a great idea. I look back and I wish I had started all of those after school clubs. I was too riddled with anxiety of what people thought of me to be confident enough to start my own club. So if you could give any advice to someone who's listening to this, who might be like how I was, I was too scared of, I was already bullied and I was too scared of what people would say back to me or think if I was the weird kid who started a club, even though that's not how people perceive you, what would you, what would you say to that young person who's standing in their own way because they don't have any other option or don't think that they do? Yeah. First of all, I see you. I hear you. I absolutely get what that person is feeling and saying. And so many women, most of the women that they're going to look up to as role models felt that way too, you know, had that experience and felt that way too. Um, so that's the first thing. They are absolutely not alone. When it comes to the clubs for Etra, you know, a lot of what we do is either bring girls into the companies or have women from really cool companies Zoom with the school if it's further away. And starting these clubs you know, has been something that girls have really enjoyed bringing to their school because of there's a huge coolness factor in being able to say we're Zooming today with someone from the International Space Station or someone from, you know, a collegiate soccer team or the first, you know, female coach of a men's team, anything like that. The women are so amazing and what they have to say is so powerful that I think girls get brave with bringing the club because they know that other kids are going to are going to like it. And it also can be tailored to exactly what that school wants or what that girl wants, whether it's entrepreneurship and she only wants to talk to founders or it's a finance club and they only want to talk to women on Wall Street 
um, you know, if the interests are aligned, I think you get over that nervousness and that anxiety, but they are absolutely not alone. And that's why clubs are great because you're surrounded by like-minded people. Are boys the same? Are young men struggling with the same intimidations or factors when thinking about reaching out to someone or are you finding, and I know that you work myself too, predominantly with, with women. Are you noticing that it's way more common for a young adult woman to be more nervous about rejection or starting that club because they're scared of what someone might think about them? I don't know. I I don't know that I have a solid answer to that. I know that the data bears it out in the younger grades. You know, there have been studies done that have shown that girls around the age 14 um, quit their sport at twice the rate of boys, that they are likely to report that their confidence drops by almost 30% by age 14. So there's certainly studies out there that say that. Um, I think in today's day and age, everyone feels a little unsure. Everyone is anxious about reaching out to people they don't know or putting themselves out there in new situations. And, you know, I always say for any of these clubs, I built them for girls, but if guys want to go and listen in to a, you know, a club meeting or meet any of these women, I love it all day long. These are role models that have something to say to everyone. So now I don't think that girls have a monopoly on feeling this way. But I do think in the younger grades, it happens often enough that if we can catch it when it happens and take a girl who's nervous about raising her hand in a science class or a math class or a history class and introduce her to a woman who said, oh, I used to feel exactly the same way. Now I work at YouTube, come see my office. That's empowering. And that might bolster her confidence enough. Such good advice you always have. Anyone, my last question for you is any one person you're currently mentoring really stand out and you would love to share their story? You don't have to put a name, but is there one person where you feel like you've really made an impact on their life? I don't know if it's my impact, but I will say I've been so impressed by the projects that a lot of our girls have been working on and completing during COVID, specifically girls that have written books. I have been amazed by how many girls have put pen to paper and written books, you know, girls who wrote books about uh, nonprofits that they started or books about their own generation. There are a huge number of books out there written by girls 18 and under that are coming out just in the last like six or eight months. And I'm blown away by their confidence, their insight, their, their just use of language. They're terrific. So cool to have that relationship with a mentee and a mentor, it's something that I find to be so unique. And that's why I started Mentor Matches. I just really wanted to enable young people to have those relationships and not have to feel so stressed about reaching out. Because I would say one of the biggest issues is that someone is scared of how to reach out. And so with your program and Alana, also what I started, I think that we are literally throwing mentorship into young people's faces and they should all take advantage of it. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And I love what I love so much about the platform that you're building is that it's easy. It's sortable. They can see themselves in the mentors and say, oh, I already can tell that I'll be able to talk to this person. I already feel because I can read their background and see what they're doing and identify them. um, I'm already more comfortable. It's not a blind email just tossed out into the ether. It's a really relatable platform where they can pick and choose interests and keywords. And I think that that's a really important um, ease of entry into mentorship. It is. And it's so it's so simple to 
know also that someone says that even if it's not the right fit, it has nothing to do with you. And I find this a lot in business is that people are constantly taking it to heart if someone rejects you or says that they don't like your idea and whatnot. And it's very difficult to not take it to heart, but I cannot urge you enough to realize that anyone who usually says no, it's just timing, it's money, it's a variety of other factors. And the last factor they're probably looking at is that they're judging you or thinking that they hate the idea. And so when you do go and approach someone, especially a potential mentor, if they do say no to you, try not to take it so personally. You just need that next person when they say yes to you to really make you feel so proud of yourself because no one would be where they are without all of the no's. So Alana, so great to have you here. Tell me again where everyone can find the book in March as well as follow you and the company on social media. Yes, you can follow us everywhere at at Etra Girls, E-T-R-E Girls. Etra, by the way, means to be in French. So, you know, we're helping girls figure out who they want to be. So at Etra Girls, the website, etragirls.com. And the book is there. The book is also on Simon & Schuster's website. And the title is The Epic Mentor Guide. And it comes out on March 8th, International Women's Day, 22. You really, truly are the most successful mentor out there. And you have so many people in that book as well who are chiming in with their own thoughts and experiences, which is which is so cool because it's a topic that everyone is so fascinated by, but never really knows what to what to do or who to look for for mentorship. So thank you so much for giving young women access to this all the time. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'm thrilled with Mentor Match. I can't wait to see where it goes. I am so excited as well. And for everyone who has listened to this podcast, Follow Alana on social media, as well as the podcast at The New Unfiltered, as well as my own personal social media at Alexa underscore Curtis. And that UConn Summit coming up in February is only for UConn students. However, we will be live streaming it. So if you do want to see what we're all about, you will be able to do so directly online. And you can still submit to speak up until December at the link in the Be Fearless Summit Instagram bio. Have a great week.